Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So the NBA wraps up the season. The Bucks are the champions. We get a day to discuss it, and then you're thinking, well, it's a Thursday going into the holiday weekend with Pioneer Day, holiday falling on Friday, the holiday of the 24th actually falling on Saturday. What the heck are we going to talk about? And then, before you even have time to think about it, debate it, start coming up with topics, the SEC, Oklahoma and Texas, just do us an enormous favor. I have to congratulate them on the timing. I don't know if this is going to happen. I think it's a realistic threat. You never know because life's a negotiation and Oklahoma and Texas doing this, they're going to turn around and get concessions out of the Big 12 or there have been early discussions that leaked and Oklahoma State issuing a statement is going to set Oklahoma politicians off and maybe this will go sideways. It's intriguing, that's for sure. Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. Now, it makes sense. The SEC's at 14. There's been talk about 16-team leagues. Oklahoma and Texas bring national brand names. This would jumpstart the Texas-Texas A&M rivalry, which has a little bit of cachet nationally, but has massive cachet in the state of Texas, which is an enormous state. It guts the Big 12. It makes the SEC so valuable. There has been talk all along that the Power Five needed to consolidate into four 16-team leagues because that leaves the networks bidding after four leagues. You know, it was six leagues, right? The six BCS leagues. So there's a lot of properties. If you miss one, you go get another. But this makes it all or nothing. Even if ratings are declining, and they are everywhere for multiple reasons, but the single biggest reason is there's so much video to watch. You just can't watch it all. You can't. Used to be there were three networks, then there were four networks, and there were four networks in cable. And now, I mean, the streaming services, I mean, TikTok, my gosh, there are kids watching TikTok an hour, two hours at a time. They're not getting to Hulu or to Amazon or to Netflix or to HBO. I mean, it's just, it, it's phenomenal, phenomenal how much video is out there. So the audience is getting divvied up. Find your niche, own it. That's the best you can do. Own it, defend it. Ratings are dropping everywhere. Certainly the pandemic's had an impact. But the fact is, if you price it right, even in a niche market, you can make a lot of money. A lot of money. Still waiting for that first network to go out of business. I'm still waiting for that. There's a lot of money to be made. But the SEC cornering their niche. Let's go to 16 teams. Let's get a couple more national brand names. It's risky for Oklahoma and Texas. How much are you going to win? How often are you going to win conference championships? Now in football, I think if they go to the 12-team playoff, that divisions go away. The SEC could be the one ex exception. But most conferences don't want to risk an unranked or a very low-ranked 8-4 and or 9-3 and three team that wins a division and conferences have had that. The ACC's had it. The Pac-12 has had it. The Big Ten has had it. But the SEC has so many big brand names. And with 16 teams and only playing eight league games, they might be able to avoid it. Certainly in the other sports, though, they can go to two eight-team divisions in any other sport you want to mention. So they can cut down on the travel. And the Oklahoma and the two Texas schools, if you join them with Missouri, Arkansas, and LSU, you got six. I don't know who goes with them. I don't know if it's the Mississippi schools, which seems most likely, maybe it's Vanderbilt and Tennessee. I don't know what they're going to do. 
but my gosh, would their TV rights be worth a lot of money? Holy cow. Texas, are they going to be willing to give up the Longhorn Network? Seems like they'd have to. Seems like they would have to. Don't know that for sure. I haven't delved in all the details. We're going to have Barry Trammell on. We just had him on, but man, he's our go-to guy on these things. And you know, the trickle-down effect, what does this mean for BYU? You know, there'd be eight teams left, and I would think that the Big 12 would have to look for more teams. And BYU and Houston look like a no-brainer. If you lose Texas, if you lose the University of Texas, you've got to shore up Texas. Houston seems like a great bet. Baylor's not that far outside. TCU's in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Texas Tech gives you four teams in Texas again. Houston and BYU makes a lot of sense to me. BYU gives the league a chance to make money. TV networks love it because that would give them Big 12 games uh, where they can play late night on TV. Now, how much those would be worth remains to be seen. It would be a massive hit for the Big 12. It would seem to end the talk from the youth's perspective of Arizona and Arizona State to the Big 12. I don't know why they want to do that, unless USC went independent. We're getting ready for another round of TV negotiations. Maybe these moves will happen. Maybe they won't, but they're going to be talked about and speculated about. I think this Oklahoma-Texas thing, which I didn't know anything about yesterday morning, but I think Oklahoma State putting out a statement on it, they know. Lots of us can see the smoke. Oklahoma State sees the fire, and they've got a lot at stake. They do not want to be left behind by their rival. They don't want to drop down to Tulsa's tier. They want to keep up with Oklahoma. That may not be possible, but it's what they want. All right, more on this later in the show. Barry Trammell will join us. Right now, we're going to take a break. Uh, When we come back, PK and I with the debate that has to be had based on a move that BYU made this week. And what is the next move it could possibly lead to? We will get to that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. History, PK. History in the making. Sort of. Sort of. But uh, not in a long time, so it is sort of history. I think it's a big deal. You can explain it. So BYU has a new cross-country head coach. Sort of. She was the cross-country head coach. It's not the title she had, but she did all the work, and that's straight from Ed Eyestone, who had the title. Uh, who thought she was very deserving of being the head coach. And now, after an NCAA title, Dilji Taylor has been promoted and is BYU's head women's cross-country coach. She is not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She is of Indian descent and grew up in the Sikh religion. That is straight out of the release BYU sent out. She's not a member of the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which sponsors BYU, while in the past head coaches throughout BYU athletics have often been members of the church. It has been a practice, but not a policy, the release says. Yes. Which makes her an exception, which raises the question, how many more exceptions could there be? To what degree in any sport has BYU been limited or not limited? Obviously, with the success of some sports, not limited. Uh by the fact that the coach has to be a, uh, a church member. Now, there's been plenty of success. Women's soccer, women's volleyball, men's volleyball. So a lot of these Olympic sports uh, have flourished. There have been coaches who are accomplished. Ed Eyestone had the individual men's cross-country championship champion in his program. 
and Diljeet's team won the championship. So put cross country on the list of Olympic sports that are flourishing. Wystone's well, a huge name in his field. Yes. And he is a I have talked to him. He is a big fan of Diljeet Taylor. That's good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's huge news on a lot of different fronts. I'm not asking BYU to change who they are. But I think that as BYU Athletics desperately wants to get into a Power Five, to a degree they're kind of viewed, all right, you're different. What is it about you? I don't really know what's going on there. So if they could have more folks like Coach Taylor. It could only be a positive. I think it sends a message that. We're we're fine. I mean, we've got some rules here, and we've got the honor code and all this stuff, and we've got a faith. But there's a lot of schools that have faith, and they're not viewed. You know, Baylor, Big 12's got faith-based institutions in their conference, right? Uh, and so, to me, this sends a message that, you know, we're, we're welcoming. I, I think it's a big, big deal. It hasn't been done in a while, I guess. Uh, Deseret News has a story here, and they talked to Glenn Tuckett. Yeah, Jay Drew wrote it. And former football coach Harold Kopp, former men's tennis coach Jim Osborne, former wrestling coach Fred Davis, and former gymnastics coach Mako Sakamoto were not members of the church. So there's four prior examples. I don't know when Osborne and Davis and Sakamoto coached. But and I don't know when cop coached either, but I know it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so we're I'm not sure about those other sports, but for football, what was that in the forties, the thirties? I don't know. Like but it seemed like it was a long time ago, obviously. So it hasn't been done in a good long while. Nineteen fifty six, fifty seven, and fifty eight. to me, why limit yourself? If you get the right person in there, why not? If that person is the most qualified. Now, the good thing for, let's just go with football. Football and basketball, obviously, are the the two highest profile. The good thing with football, it seems like the candidacy of LDS folks coaching football, the pool is growing. You know, one of the good things about Bronco taking most of his staff back to Virginia is you got a lot of LDS guys getting great experience. So, in time, I don't know that it will ever come to that. But you it puts look, names in the pipeline, whether it, it pays off it or not. It increases a lot more right. than they used to have. You know, you got a, a Jason Beck who's been in coaching for a good while. Obviously, Kelly Papinga. Those are just two guys. But they're the, the next head, but they're yeah. the next generation age-wise. Right, right. Yeah. And I don't know Jason Beck that well, but I knew Kelly pretty well. And I think the world of the guy. And he's he's learning how to coach in big-time football, and so you know, whatever down the line, Coach Shiitake does what he does, and maybe he stays there as long as Lavelle Edwards, so it's a moot point anyway. Uh, but you have more candidates to choose from because the last couple of hires with Bronco and Kalani, man, it was just slim pickings. I mean, Kalani, to me, once Bronco took off, he was the overwhelming obvious candidate, and he got the job. And he should have, under the circumstances, he should have gotten the job. But, you know, if there's, uh, if if they have success, say they're rolling, 
and some big time school comes and triples Kalani's salary and he mm. takes it. Yeah. Well, why not Ed Lamb? Now, as I understand it, Ed Lamb's not a member of the faith, but Ed Lamb has been around for years and years and years that he'll represent the school. Jeff Grimes. I knew Jeff Grimes pretty well. Jeff Grimes could have done it. Um, back when uh, Dave Rose had uh, first got the diagnosis of uh, the pancreatic cancer, he had to go take care of that in the summer. So they elevated Dave Rice to, like, interim running the program. Right. And Dave Rice, I know Dave Rice very well, he could have represented the school very, very well as the coach. So if it's there, I don't know that it'll come to that, but if it's there, sure. And I don't know in the women's cross-country world, I have no clue if there's some LDS man or woman worthy of the job. I don't know. Right. I think that uh, the thing you had in this particular thing is, well, they just won the NCAA title. If you don't give her the title and the paycheck and all of that and the line on the resume and all the stuff that goes with it, well, somebody else is going to because they just won the NCAA title. But she has to make sure she understands the mission of the university. But I think that that goes back to your— Which I assume she did. Right, and I think that goes back to your point about— Dave Rice or uh, any of the football guys you mentioned that, well, they've already been there several years. They know the deal. And if they don't fit, either they would have gone of their own accord or the school would have forced them to go. So there's obviously, and it's probably different with every person, but there's still there's some there's some level of comfort and fit or it wouldn't have lasted as long as it did. So. But, but it's still dicey. But to your point, if you kind of broaden your the scope and appeal of your searches, what does that mean when you're talking to people about conference affiliation? Or if you're just talking to people about anybody, just the way people generally view BYU. And we've heard all the time. How many times have we heard BYU athletics is a, is a front porch? That's said about a lot of schools. It's the front porch of the university. In this case, the university is owned and operated by a church, so it becomes a front porch of that. Now, how about should they be active LDS? Do you have to have that? Well, the answer is yes. Okay, suppose should you have that is your question. So suppose you're LDS, but you don't go to church. You were baptized a member of the faith. For whatever reason, you don't go regularly. Seems like you got to clear that other hurdle before you get to this one. What's the other hurdle? About non-members routinely being head coaches at BYU. I mean, we have one example here in 30 years that we've been around, and, and we don't know how far. We know Cop, and we can look up the other coaches, I guess. We know Cop was in the 50s. So you got one example. There's an extreme example. She just coached the team to the NCAA championship. They won it all. That's an extreme example. Those other programs we mentioned have been very good, but women's volleyball and women's soccer haven't won at all yet. Maybe they will. Maybe the big year is out there and it's approaching. I know a coach that Bronco Mendenhall wanted to hire, Mm -hmm. and he was baptized in the faith, but he didn't participate. And... He had all the qualifications, and the guy literally told me this. This is from the person. 
Not Bronco, the person who wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The person who Bronco wanted to hire told you. Yeah. So th- this is an absolute fact. And he said he Bronco wanted to hire him. He wanted the job. And he couldn't get the job because he didn't go to church. And he, he told me this. He said that I would have a better chance if I wasn't a member of the church. Ever. Yeah. Right. Or if I had my name taken off the rolls of the church. And I said to him, well, why don't you do that? And he said, because I disappoint my mother. So he did not get the job. And Mendenhall wanted to hire him. So should they require that? He told me it was, I could have gotten the job. If I was a member of another faith, I would have gotten the job. But because I was a member of the church's faith, but I didn't practice it, although I was willing to keep the code that they had, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get the job. But if I would have been fill-in-the-blank Christian religion, whatever religion, and I still have to obey the honor code, that's a given either way, right? So I would have been able, I would have done that, and I committed to do that, then I would have gotten the job. Then I had another coach, and this coach was super well-known. Coached at BYU, but was not LDS. He said, and liked beer occasionally or coffee. He said, so he'd come up to Salt Lake, get it. Oh, so where you're less likely to be recognized. Yeah, and this was a long time ago. Uh, And I'd put in the trunk, drive home to Utah County, wherever he lived, Go in the garage, shut the door, the garage door, open the trunk, take it out, bring it in my house. So nobody knew. And nobody cared. And I believe the average BYU fan couldn't care less either. (laughs) Would have shrugged. Yeah, yeah. So what? Because said, said coach was good at their job. Yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it didn't matter. The, the, I don't know if it's the funny thing, but... The ironic thing. BYU fans, I don't think they care. They want to win. That's what I said. BYU fans are no different than any other fans. They want to win. That's the whole essence of being a fan is you want your team to win. Now, you don't want them to break the rules. You don't want them to get you don't uh, break the law, blah, blah, yeah, blah. But that's no different anywhere. You know what I mean? Kids, they they make mistakes. People make mistakes if you consider that a mistake. So uh, do you think this is a one-off? It's a unique situation because she just – she was running the t- – Ed was officially the head coach. And she was the associate coach, but she was doing it. And Ed would tell you, if you were sitting right here, Ed would tell you, and don't give me the credit, give her the credit. She did the work. She coached the team. Well, I think that it's a, it's a unique set of circumstances, but these unique, cir- yeah. circumstances could come about again. Like, or, if, if Kalani leaves, I absolutely believe Ed Lamb should be considered for the job. He played there, as I understand, right? 
He's coached there. He's been in the state. He's recruited LDS kids through and through. He knows all about the mission program. He's been a head coach before. Yes. So Which why BYU wouldn't is, he be considered? Yeah, BYU has struggled with that, right? Since Lavelle, two of the three weren't head coaches. Kalani hadn't been a head coach. Bronco right. hadn't been a head coach. Right. Gary had been. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then you go back. Steve Cleveland hadn't – well, he had been a head coach, but not at the D1 level. Right. Dave Rose hadn't been. But Dave Rose was absolutely the guy. It's like – Hiring Dave Rose was like Chris Hill hiring Kyle. You know, a lot of success. Been there a long time as the as yeah. an assistant, so he was the natural guy. Right. Well, both Steve, both Steve and Dave were wins. Uh, they, yeah, they were. But I'm saying, it, yeah. you're looking well, at it retrospectively. Right. I'm talking about at the time of the at hire. At the time, right? Yeah, this guy's in house. He's the guy. Yeah, right. So uh, those were those were great hires. Uh, I, I think. But if there's an to, obvious LDS candidate, of course you go there. Yes. But, but if don't there limit isn't, yourself. But if there isn't, what will they do going forward? Will, and, and it hasn't been, is this just a one-off here with the cross-country program, or does it open the door to a new way of thinking? I think the, it, it opens the door to a new way of thinking because they're telling they made a point of emphasizing it. BYU did. They didn't have to do no, it. No, the stuff I read earlier was from the release. Nobody would have batted an eyelash. It's it's women's cross country, so it's not as high profile. And I doubt most folks in the media would have known this lady's religious uh, affiliation unless they told us. And they wanted to tell us. And so to me, it opens the door because they're saying... It's a practice, not a policy. That's a big difference. So I used the most obvious example is if Kalani goes 10-2 and this year, somebody might come calling for a whole lot of money, and BYU's cheap. And that's not me saying it. I have. I can give you 20 coaches who've who've told me that. So you can jump on me all you want. But I've had coaches at BYU say BYU is cheap. It could be a uh, Matt Wells type situation where Texas Tech came coming and they came with money. Yeah. And and Utah State wasn't, it just wasn't going to happen. Well, Steve Cleveland then when he went to Fresno Fresno State, uh, same deal. Yes. So Ed Lamb should absolutely be considered for the head coaching job. And if you believe he's the best candidate, he should get that job. No matter whether he's a member of that faith or not. Because if you've done it for cross country, why wouldn't you do it for football? Ed was a big fan. I knew about this before just because when you were what what were you? What do you mean? Bleep canned. <laughs> I was trying to get you to say bleep oh. canned. When you were bleep canned <laughs> on channel two yeah. by the pandemic. It hurt. Um, well, it's still, the pandemic hurt me. Yeah. And so one thing we did with that time, with all, with all, so many college sports pushed to the sp- – Whoa, whoa, you actually tried to fill the time well, instead of just going it, dead air? It turns out that all of my bosses <laughs> frown on putting up color bars in the middle of a show. Dude! Yeah, but – We just sit there for eight minutes with tone and color bars. PK isn't here, so this is what we're going to do. You're trying That's to replace we- me? Yeah, right. good luck. So we did something totally different because we didn't want to replace, as Dunny would say in soccer, like for like. Okay, and so okay, one thing yeah. we did was the bring in the coaches. I, I can't even listen. This hurts so bad. <laughs> the coaches and the athletes from the college teams who are having success because they put so many fall sports in the spring. There was this steady stream of they're seeded into the Sweet 16. They are going to be uh, 
playing in the Final Four. They just won a championship. And so men's and women's volleyball, volleyball and cross country oh, and on sweet. down line. Volleyball. Volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> just as you now jump, bam, a guy through the net just punches you in the face. Spiked him right in the face. Right. So I called Ed. And Ed had had the Eyestone, not Lamb. Ed Eyestone, yes. Longtime track cross-country coach, Olympian. The guy's got a resume to drool over. It's so good, right? And I said, hey, I want to get your champion on. So we had the the runner he had, who I'm I'm blanking on his name now, Um, had him on. Marty Liguori. With Ed, not Marty Liguori. (laughs) 30-year-old miler. No. And then we had on, although Ed appreciates the poll, I'm sure Ed would apply. He would slow clap that if he were listening right now. And I said, hey, you got the whims across country. He says, he said, I don't want to take a bow for that. That, you know, like Diljeet, Diljeet did that. So did she come on? Yeah. And so we scheduled. And it, it got totally awkward, too. The coach we, came on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we had her on. So, But it, it got completely awkward <laughs> because... We were supposed to do the interviews back to back. We have this narrow window between newscasts when we can use the studio. And so there were technical difficulties hooking up the Zoom, and they were on our end. So we ended up not having time for her because the six o'clock news was going to come on. And she's like, Don't worry about it. You talk to the guys. Totally baiting. You would totally appreciate this about her. I'm like, No. And she goes, Good answer. I was testing. <laughs> We've got to find another time. And it wasn't going to run this week anyway. It'd be for, so we got another week, and we can figure out a time we can do this. And so we had her on. And talk to her, and she was obviously recruiting the whole time. You know, she's a total talker, total interviewer. And Ed, who's been at the Y forever, mm-hmm. who completely gets it, mm-hmm. is a hundred percent in her corner. Like he could have done that interview. He wanted to make sure she got the credit because he knew she'd earned it. And so, to your point, if you do it once and you get a total win, I mean, you get an NCAA championship out of it. It's not BYU's only NCAA title, but they're not piling them up every year either. It's a big deal when a team there pulls that off. Oh, yeah, yeah, obviously. So if it helped you pull it off here, why not do it again? It's got to be the right person. I agree. But they've had people go through there who've been there. You know what this is? This is the flip side, kind of reverse it and spin it around, of Pac-12 teams will play BYU in football. But they don't want any part of them in the league. And you'll hire, at BYU, they'll hire people who are not church members to coach and help them win, but they don't want them to be the head coach. Now here, here's an exception. They want her to be the head coach. That's now, great. She had to win an NCAA championship first, and I'm sure there would be people lining up to hire her away. That's a no-brainer. I mean, lots of schools have cross-country coaches, and you got the title. When they uh, let go of Roger Reed, a former NBA coach inquired. Yeah. And they had to tell him no because he wasn't LDS. But he's a Hall of Famer, and he's won an NCAA title, and he's won an NBA title. Don't give it away. Well, it was public at the time. The guy talked about it. Regardless, (laughs) I was told confidentially, so I don't give it away all these years later. I wasn't told confidentially. Oh. Okay, well, just don't associate me with being a big old blabbermouth. <laughs> Larry Brown called. Hey! So they should have considered it, although he had all sorts of NCAA violations wherever he went. Maybe that's another story. But, yeah, I'd I say broaden your horizons, man. 
get as many folks who are willing to live by the standards in there as possible. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, Gordon Monson joins us, the godfather, the Vito Corleone of sports radio. Multiple topics, including the NBA and me making up words. That's next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to to welcome in the host, the co-host of The Big Show, Gordon Monson, a.k.a. The Godfather. Yeah. Man, he's threatened to put a horse's head in my bed many times. (laughs) (laughs) One of the classic all-time scenes that none of us can ever forget. (laughs) Giddy up. Funny thing is, I just watched that uh, with my daughter about a month ago. A month ago? What about last night? What about last week? What's wrong with you? <laughs> first time, first time she'd seen it, and uh, she was properly uh, freaked out by that. <laughs> PK, uh, you watch that annually. Uh, you do the marathon, don't you? What, what holiday is that? Thanksgiving. Or- Why? Because it's an appropriate family (laughs) holiday, and that's a family movie. So yes, it was it was awesome, Gordon. Because when the lines would come up in the movie, she's like, "That's why you say that." I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. She's like, "No, I know why you say that." I'm like, "Yep." I read I read about it once. They uh, they offered I can't remember who they offered that part to. Uh, as the Godfather, but it was somebody who wouldn't have done it anywhere near as well, obviously. But uh, anyway, what a, all, one of the all-time greats. So, speaking of the all-time greats, how about Giannis going for fifty to win the NBA title, turning down the chance to go form a super team, which he talked about right after the game, and in the post-game when he turns the Middleton on the court and says, "Chris." We did it. That's got to be an awfully sweet moment. But how much does it inspire players in other cold-weather, small-market, less-than-glamorous destinations? Yeah, it's a thing of beauty, man. I mean, he is an inspiration, or should be, if other people are paying attention in in a couple ways, DJ. I I like that that's where you started because that was one of the first thoughts I had is, uh, is there anybody around here who gets a little antsy? And who wants to get out of here and go to the, uh, you know, the bright light somewhere? No, you can win it right where you are if you uh, if you make that determination and if the team helps you along the way. I mean, the addition of Drew Holiday probably didn't hurt at all, even though that wasn't a cheap acquisition. But yeah, yeah, both things happened in the case of the Bucks, and then the honest was good enough to to take responsibility and put it right on his own shoulders and take care of business. That was one of the all-time great performances. I'll, you know, DJ, I know that you remember every great performance from the past, but that's one that I think people will be talking about 25 years from now. No doubt about that. And look, my other thoughts on it are, 
not only did Giannis play great, but look at the way look at the way that game was won. I mean, if you look at it from a statistical standpoint, the Bucks killed the Suns on the boards, man. They just they rebounded like crazy, and then the, they uh, there was not a whole lot the uh, Suns could do to slow down Giannis. So what did they end up doing? They ended up doing what the old Jazz teams used to do. They fouled them. And the uh, Bucks uh, outscored the Suns by nine at the free throw line. And so, yeah, I mean, boom, there you go. So when I look at this team as it relates to the rest of the NBA and obviously as it relates to the Jazz, because that's what we do here, uh, uh, two things come to mind. Is that, number one, you better draft well. And, yeah. And then, this because they've got – some good draft picks. Obviously, the two best players were Giannis and Middleton. And Giannis, middle of the first round. And you could say, okay, he's a foreign guy, so they weren't really sure. It was an unusual set of circumstances. But Middleton wasn't. And he was a second-round guy. And so they drafted him. So you better draft well. And then you – there's really three things for me. You better – uh, be smart in your acquisitions. Getting Brook Lopez at a time when the league was changing. If you look at Brook Lopez's stats early on when he was playing with other teams, he didn't shoot the three at all. Now he's shooting the three in abundance, especially compared to early. So he, he had like a mid-life, NBA life changeover dramatically. And so they pick him up. They pick up a guy like Connaughton. And, you know, Holiday they gave up a lot for, as you already said. So And he clearly made them better. He was better than Drew Blitz, so there's no question about that. So they were smart in their other acquisitions and picking up Tucker, plucking him off a, a veteran guy off a team that's going nowhere in Houston and doesn't need a veteran in a rebuilding situation. So you got those two things going on, and then you better be healthy. And if you have those three things, I think you can contend. And as you were talking, PK, I was thinking about the Jazz as we do relate everything to yeah, that. Sure. Uh, yeah, that they have that they have uh, some similarities there, not only in their situation, but in their acumen and uh, some of the things that they've done. And maybe it, it lays out a plan for some of the things they still need to do. And and I like that you brought up the health thing. And I know that nobody wants to make excuses for that, but you got to be healthy in order to win these things. And Giannis, I mean, he almost wasn't healthy. And if he hadn't been healthy, they wouldn't have won the thing. But I don't know how he came back from that buckling of the knee, but but he did. And uh, it was it was a pleasure to watch, man. And here's another thing, PK, and I don't know. I don't know. I just got this vibe, and I don't know whether anybody else was really thought about that or not, but I just thought the Bucks were more – what's the word? They were – collectively stronger from a standpoint that I saw them occasionally complain to the referees, but not like the Suns. The Suns were whining after darn near every call. And I understand this is the first time they've been anywhere near this kind of situation. And those guys have to learn their lessons. And it's not like the Bucks were used to going to the finals, but I just thought the Bucks comported themselves in a way that looked far more determined and less uh, less whiny, for lack of a better term, and and that paid off for them at the end. So the memo then is, despite the fact the Suns went from well, they didn't go worst to first, but they went from worst to second. You still have to pay your dues. You got to take your lumps. 
You have to have your heart broken. Then you have to have your heart broken again. Then maybe <laughs> if things break your way, you get the title. Because that's the Bucks story. They had the best record two years ago. And they didn't get to the finals. And in the bubble, they didn't get to the finals. And, yes, the Nets had injuries and they squeaked it out in seven. But they're the champs. Well, I I guess I'll say it this way. I it would behoove the Jazz if Donovan Mitchell were paying attention to what happened with the Bucks. I mean, he, he really needs to study what took place there. And uh, I think it would help him, and it would definitely help the Jazz if if that took place. And he understood that these you know championships can be won in a place that uh, isn't a destination spot in the NBA if, if the team is willing to just put a couple of pieces in place that enable that. And then of course you got to be lucky. I mean, you just, you do. And that's the, in some respects, that's the health uh, aspect of the equation. And that I think, you know, as I was watching those two teams play, I was thinking how far off are the jazz from this level of play? It ain't that far guys. It ain't that far. Okay. So with that in mind, tweak the roster or make a significant change. I'm open to either or both as long as the team comes back better next year. The bottom line for me is be better. I don't care how you do it. So I'm not married to, well, we got to bring it back and run it again, or, man, we got to make major changes. I'm open to either, whichever works to make your team better. How about you? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean – it's like you guys were talking about. I mean, the Jazz have to be smart, and that's what you have to be in in a, in a market that isn't uh, one of those destination markets. You can't you can't necessarily make up for bad mistakes by luring in some superstar who's going to make all the difference in the world. They just need to make the right alterations, and I think they're pretty sure that that they know where the weaknesses are. And, yeah, I mean, I don't think it is a major, major acquisition, but I think it's there's one or two, one significant move that they could make uh, that would uh, bolster their cause and maybe one other move that might help them with some depth. But But I don't think these are giant, giant moves, just things that would help them when they get matched up with a team like the Clippers in the playoffs. That, that's maybe a little athleticism and a little more defense on the perimeter. How much do you think a little more, uh, for lack of a more eloquent term, you're the writer, you can come up with a more eloquent term. I would just say a little more piss offedness. <laughs> I think it's pissed, what? not just piss. That's what I said, pissed offedness. No, you didn't. I did too. <laughs> so... The fact that they got their hearts broken again is a positive. And the matter that makes them, the better. And the, the resolve Donovan brought to the first round this year, he said it. We're not going down the first round again. And they didn't. He needs to bring that resolve for four playoff series. Resolve might be a, a better term. I, I didn't know that piss off at this was a word <laughs> and I secondly I didn't know you could say that on the radio me either there was yeah, a slip I, of the tongue so we'll give him a break my bad <laughs> if it's so any consolation does. I had a worse one that turns out really was worse and I was just 
I really blit. He was just but, uh, trying to give a was, street cred to him, and you know was, him. Whitey White failed, but his <laughs> point was taken. <laughs> I haven't heard Whitey White in a while. You pulled, you dusted that one off and brought it down off the top shelf. <laughs> That's like circa 2008. That's like, that was like Never that was Never three forget. Olympics ago. Oh, maybe brother. four. Maybe that was Athens. Hey, Gordon, hey, where are you? How are you hanging on? <laughs> <laughs> Some things never go away, do they? No. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, uh, PK, you can relate to this. The only time that I've sworn on the radio was doing a show with PJ back in the day. And uh, it was a very proud moment. But he, <laughs> <laughs> he pushed me to the point of actually saying out loud the word that, that uh, the uh, abbreviation is BS. <laughs> nice. Oh, brother. Anyway. yeah, I, I, You shouldn't have been there. so wrong, Gordon. That's yeah, I know. I'm used to it, though. You know, it happens every day. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I like your point there. Uh, even in your sloppy way of saying it, 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 it that, that, that they essentially are. Uh, having to, uh, you know, take care of their business and learn their lessons uh, each year. The thing is that everybody is so, so impatient these days, including the, the superstar players at times. So yeah, you got to learn your lesson each time and take your steps forward. But you still got to take care of your business and be lucky enough to be healthy when you're matched up against a team in the playoffs that that may expose some of your weaknesses because almost every team has them. And, and the Jazz have to be able to weather that storm. But if they're angry and they're good, uh, th- that's huge. And that's why I think that really Donovan really needs to, you know, when you point the finger outside, you're pointing three at, back at yourself, and he has to be the superstar. He is the superstar. He is already. But he has to be at the level where Giannis was at to lead his team this time around. And he's got some nice pieces around him. If he has a little more help and a little more luck as far as health goes, I think that they'll they'll be there. I mean, I, I do. I I don't see uh, a need to go crazy here. But if they see a deal that'll uh, make it a slam dunk, then all right, good on them. Yeah, that's the way I feel, obviously. As far as Mike Conley goes, my line of thinking is I don't really care if they bring him back as long as they get a player of equal or greater value, which is obvious. I get that. So the well, problem- that means bring him back. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. But I'm not necessarily tied to him individually, but most likely I am because you're not going to be able to accomplish what I just said. So bringing him back for me, you know, and it's not my money, so it's easy to say. I'm more concerned about the duration of the contract rather than the individual money. In your mind, what's an ideal contract for him? Uh, you're exactly right, and I guarantee you that that's what the Jazz are looking at, and that's what Conley's looking at as well because he wants the security. I don't know why. I mean, it's not like Mike Conley is uh, you know hurting for uh, a few extra bucks, but uh, I guess that's the way the world works, and uh but I agree. You can't. I ideal for the Jazz would be two years. Uh, I think that's probably what they're looking at for him. But uh, he, of course, would be looking for something a little more uh, elongated than that. You know. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he because he he knows that his game is going to slow down over the next uh, couple of years, and uh, the Jazz know it too. So how badly do they want him? Are they willing to cave? 
on that a little bit. I, I think getting Mike Conley back, short of short of what you were just describing there, TK, uh, if you get a talent uh, in return somehow, then, then maybe uh, you would make a move. Otherwise, I think they need to do everything they can to get him. Uh, but I'm not going to go crazy with the length of the deal. Uh, maybe, maybe if you have to. But you better be sure that it's not going to be a waste of money because – I mean, Donovan and, and uh, Rudy are, are still relatively young, and you don't want to uh, hamstring yourself. Uh, sorry for that, uh, uh, you know, uh, pointing that out with uh, Mike Conley's hamstring problem. Oh, I get it. But, yeah, yeah, you don't want to be hamstrung over over the next few years. So we'll see how it goes. But I think I know that the Jazz are extremely <laughs> interested in getting him back. So that, that's priority number one for them this offseason. So you got any other priorities, either for um, internal development or player acquisition? Anything else you want to tweak? I'm not sure that anything that the Jazz have right now is going to fill that defensive need. So I've heard some people say, well, the Jazz should have, should have developed their bench more, you know, their extended bench uh, to find more defensive players. I just – uh, the people I've talked to, and with my own eyes, I'm I'm not sure that 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 substantial help is already uh, in the fold. Uh, so they they do need help on the perimeter as far as defense goes. I, that that you just because you know I mean what if they run into the Clippers again, and who knows what's going to happen with the Clippers? I don't know what Kawhi's going to do. Do you have any idea what he's? Gonna I don't do? even know when he's going to be available. Yeah. And they, and they, they uh, you know, I mean, they, they, the Clippers handled the Jazz without Kawhi, so uh, maybe, maybe that's not as big a deal as, as I'm making it. But the, the Jazz do have to address that, that defensive perimeter, and uh, and I do believe that uh, had they been fully healthy, and if Mike Conley had been able to go, that series against Clippers might have gone differently. You go back and look at some of the some of the games that Mike Conley had against the Clippers. And I think they were extremely happy to see him not on the floor. The other thing about Conley and any and kind of deal that might be made, I think Mike Conley is the kind of guy who, uh, well, is the anti-Gordon Hayward. I don't think that Mike would screw the Jazz over in any which way and would be probably willing to uh, work with the Jazz if uh, if a deal was uh, possible. I, I think he's probably a character guy who who might do what he can to help. Uh, and what Gordon Hayward did to the Jazz was an absolute. Well, that's a word I better not say. <laughs> DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five at twelve eighty the zone. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, the latest from Oklahoma and Texas and the SEC. We'll get to that coming up. Stay with us.